Welcome, humans. My name is Matt Phelan, and my guest is Ashley. <laughs> Ashley Friedline. Ashley, Ashley Friedline. Um, so, just to remind everyone why we uh, do this show is because I get to meet some of the most amazing human beings on my journeys, um, which are not journeys at the moment. They're sitting on my sofa, um, and I like to share that uh, with people. The um, as I said, uh, we're in the middle of um, the middle of coronavirus. We're not in lockdown yet, but we are working from home. Um, it is just looking at the date, uh, which I can't find, but I know it's a Friday and it's the last day the school's going to be open. I'm going to introduce uh, my guest, Ashley Friedline, who I've known probably probably since about 2008, so since the last since the last crisis. <laughs> um, he, w- how I would describe Ashley and why I wanted to get him on is that Ashley, um, and I don't want you to blush, Ashley. Ashley is one of the most intelligent people I know. His brain just works incredibly fast. Um, and I just would love to share um, some of his insight um, and understanding of, of business with you guys. And I've got some uh, great questions for him. But um, Ashley, please introduce yourself. Thanks, Matt. Uh, and uh, a pleasure to be here. A um, bit of a light relief from um, <laughs> coronavirus. Um, uh, yes, uh, yes. I, I'm the founder of eConsultancy, which was back in 1999. So it's 21 years old, amazingly now. And that was a sort of community for marketing people learning about digital marketing and e-commerce. I still do a day a week for that, but sold it back in 2012. Um, maybe we'll talk about that. But uh, and now I'm the CEO and founder of Guild, which is a messaging app uh, for professionals and businesses so a kind of whatsapp for business actually um obviously you started that first business in the 90s we met um in the middle of the financial crisis and it's obviously a bit crazy what's going on now do they do is there do they any of those three events feel similar is this totally different is there anything that that you've taken from running a business in those two before that is useful for people now um yeah i guess well the weird thing is i suppose and and you'll appreciate this as an entrepreneur you you know you're kind of you're taking risks uh in in doing your own business in the first place and so i think entrepreneurs tend to sort of thrive on opportunities to some degree on challenges certainly uh, used to high degrees of change and and change creates both threats and opportunities so um uh, you know, it's kind of used to high levels of change, you say, and I've seen uh, quite a lot of that um, from the dot-com crash originally, obviously in the internet sort of world, that was 2000, 2001. Um, and, um, I, you know, I was made redundant. Actually, no, I left the agency. I'd been made redundant on a, on a previous job. Um, and uh, and then, as you say, there's the financial crash and now there's this. Um, I mean, I, I think that the and this might be a tricky message to hear. I know, you know, your community of uh, certainly sort of HR people or, or people working with people, but the from a business point of view, and I'm seeing this in uh, lots of the entrepreneur groups, um, you know, you, you kind of need to survive. And that often means making hard decisions quite quickly um, and yep. acting quite hard and quite fast to, um, you know, give yourself the best chance for survival. And that can mean making hard decisions about, which include people as well so um so yes i think um as a learning it's in some ways helps having been there before and and the learning is probably you need to make quite bold decisions quite quickly yeah no it's good advice i think one thing i'm finding interesting at the moment because we we work in china as well 
Um, and sort of around as it sort of hit China at the beginning of the year um, and late last year, I was sort of annoyed at myself how much time I'd put into China um, as an entrepreneur. But then literally in the last week, everyone's been messaging me saying like, right, we're ready to go on all this stuff, Matt. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a bit, it's interesting to, to have a, a business into sight, something that is, is, is kind of like six to eight weeks ahead of where we are as well. Yes. And a lot of, you know, business still is based on, on relationships, obviously, and, and trust and goodwill and things like that. And so I think in times of crisis, if you do the right thing by your, you know, customers, staff, etc., they, you know, people remember that. And so if you if you do survive and come through it, you actually then are in a stronger position potentially because you've bought a lot of, you know, sort of goodwill and opportunity for further down the line. I think that's the I think that's the that's the main thing that business owners are speaking to me about, about at the moment on your point, which is the but getting the balance right of surviving but being ready to come out of it the other end um, and be able to thrive. And it's a, it's a really difficult balance for people to call, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I think it is. Um, and, um, you know, speed is important in that regard. Um, and just, yeah, just being able to kind of make um, confident, uh, quick decisions and admit they might not be quite right and, you know, and, and be yeah. open with other people. The, the situation's changing so quickly, you, no one really knows for sure. So... Um, but I think instead of just doing nothing and hoping it goes away is probably not a very sensible thing. Yeah, I think the the, the best we've, thing we've done so far is we asked the team to make the assumption that this is going to last 12 months. Yeah. Even even though we expect and hope that it will, it will go close, uh, shorter, as soon as we did that, the decision-making speeded up. Yeah. Um, because people stopped thinking, oh, it might just be a one-week, two-week thing and people just crack on with it, but... Um, any anything you've any decisions you've made um, in terms of how you're going to approach it so far? Um, well, I mean, I, I suppose the, the the main thing is um, from Guild, which is you know still a startup really or early stage business, where you're looking at your kind of budgets and cash flow planning and all that kind of stuff. That um, you know, I'm in my mind at least, I haven't actually done this in the spreadsheets yet, but almost working on the basis of six months of zero sales i mean that's not going to happen yeah. but it's just easier to be you know let's assume that we don't sell anything at all for six months and so yeah. we have just costs which obviously eats into your capital where you know how would that leave us and then you know i genuinely in a business always think it's good to have six months runway as in you know you've got six months where you can survive with no sales yeah. Uh, and not go out of business um, because it just buys you time to, you know, adjust and plan and things. So, did you hear that? It was a call came in. <laughs> um, uh, no, no, you didn't. Sorry. We sorry. We, you didn't. we don't edit. Okay, so, yeah, that's we'll fine. Just, we, we, that gave us a, that gave us a moment. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. It's my, it's, it's my brother that. trying to call me. Um, um so so yes i think it's just being sensible financially um and um i mean i'm i'm thinking of this as a six month thing um but you know your 12 month thing is probably sensible or realistic i mean i think even after six months it might take a while for things to come back you know three another three to six months as you say yeah and i think uh the, the difference is we it's yeah we're the same on budgeting in we yeah short term budgeting on six months but business planning for twelve yeah um so actually we've done the we've done the serious mm. bit let's get into the fun uh, let's do some let's do some fun bit as uh, the world is very serious at the moment 
If you had to pick um, between crisps and chocolate, what would you go crisps. for? Crisps. Yeah. Crisps. Um, if you had to pick between snow and um, a beach, what would you go for? Tricky. Uh, beach. Yeah, yeah, although yeah, I, I'm a bit torn. But yeah, <laughs> at the moment, I think. Um, yeah. And I, I hate to do this one to you because it may break up your marriage and your yes. family. But let's do it anyway. Yeah. If you had to self-isolate with either um, your brother, Joe Freeline, <laughs> or your wife, um, which one would you pick? My wife. Uh, <laughs> only only because i'll be in such uh, trouble if i said anything otherwise no <laughs> i only i only really recorded this yeah so plus I plus i do today. have two brothers so uh if i yeah it oh. would be you know contentious with tom who's my youngest brother if i chose joe over him obviously so yeah oh yeah well well, well next time you're on i'm gonna ask you to pick between those <laughs> two i won't do that to you i now. thought it'd be really cruel to ask to pick between my two daughters i don't that's like sophie's choice oh. i don't think that's the inhumane. Right. Okay. So let's get on into the, the middle of this, um, Ashley. Um, I, and also, I have to declare, I'm a, I am a customer um, and an investor in Guild. Um, but that's not why I got you on. But one thing that I've noticed in the last three weeks, and I, I remember because um, I studied marketing at university, and I, I, we had this massive te- textbook called uh, Relationship Marketing. Mm. Um, and I didn't really uh, study much at uni. I spent way too much time partying. But one thing I can remember from that textbook is in times in, in when, when the SHIT hits the fan, um, your relationships that you've built through business are the absolute, they're the most important thing. Um, and as soon as, as soon as we all had to work from home, our guild, which was called HR Punks, came into its own. Like it's been brilliant over the last um, sort of six months to have a guild and a community of, uh, HR professionals and people professionals that that all share information, but in this real tough times, that's just gone up another level. And that and that socially, people have been there for each other for calls. Um, some people have lost jobs. Some people are having to do to let people go. But but mainly, it's people are talking about things like how they digitally onboard people and all this kind of stuff. So I just wanted you to share a bit of insight and in what you think of um, of community in a virtual world and. Because the vision of the happiness index is freedom to be human. Can can you be human in a virtual world? Well, that's a big question. Um, well, I think there's two different things there. I mean, one about the, the digital aspects and one about community generally. Um, I mean, I think the, yes, in, in times of crisis, then we um, we do kind of look to our uh, community and our, our relationships, both in business and uh, personally, um, you know, socially. And you're seeing that happening um in fact, apps like Nextdoor, which is like a, you know, like a local Facebooky type thing, is uh, is really yeah, booming. Um, and people are putting out messages on that saying, you know, if you need me to go shopping for you or if you need help or call me, here's my number and stuff. So it's really heartwarming actually to see that. And in a, in a funny way, I, I kind of, because um, it wasn't so long ago, like you say, we had Brexit, which felt very divisive um, in the UK. Yeah. Whereas... As, whereas coronavirus is is kind of weirdly good because it's it unites everybody like there's a common enemy not only yeah. that it's a common world global enemy it reminds me a little bit of independence day you know when the, <laughs> the aliens <laughs> yeah. are attacking and you see scenes of the russians and the chinese and the americans all in it together yeah. against the baddie it's sort of almost a bit like yeah. that so um Obviously, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing, but it is uniting people against a, a common enemy, which is not other humans, which is quite nice. Um, 
yeah I love so that. Uh, so yes community and i've always you know you can tell in my first business i didn't set it up as a business i set it up as a as a community as a side hustle as it were just for fun while i was working at a digital agency in the dot-com days and so and that was yeah. for web forums and an email list pre-social media um and it's just because i enjoyed being part of a professional group where you could share your it's a bit like therapy really you share your you know here's what's working here's what's not and actually what's not not working yeah. the pain is more uh valuable and and creates bonds of trust than, than the good stuff um and so mm. and you know and, and guild similarly is it's a broader platform but is to try and provide a you know safe and trusted place for people to you know share with each other you know professionally professional stuff but get support um which in times like this obviously is, is becomes almost a, a emotional support but practical practical support yep. you know tips best practice how do i do this do you know someone who can do that uh, and helping each other out um so yes we've i mean have seen a big increase uh, on guild in in the kind of number of new users the volume of conversation the level of engagement has shot up um as a result of this um because i think a people are looking for that connection and community uh, because of the isolation uh, and also probably because they are at home with a bit more time on their hands where you know normally checking a messaging app or whatever is got to be fit in between meetings and other important stuff um, whereas now they're yeah. you know, <clears throat> having to live out lives a little bit more digitally or virtually and um, i mean i've always and on yeah. the point of the digital stuff i've digital versus physical despite you know the consultancy started digital guild is obviously digital messaging um i have always believed and still believe that um you know face to face is still by far the best way and there's lots of you know studies and science to bear this out for uh, to build real kind of trust and intimacy and, and reciprocity and things um i mean and typically often the digital groups or digital experiences work best when you already have or also have a physical um you know you meet you have met in person because there is something quite yeah. um just human about you know it's looking into someone's eyes reading their body signals all sorts of instincts we have as humans which haven't really changed around you know fear or flight and trust and things quite animal quite base level instincts it's quite hard to replicate that digitally i mean and can do you think and and do you think over time technology is going to change that? If you, I mean, the amount of people that that I've been trying to convince to do like video calls for years that suddenly are just like telling me how amazing yeah. Zoom is and stuff like that, and it, it's just funny because you're getting MDs that would never have done a a, a virtual uh, um, sort of like board meeting that are, that are just saying, "Oh my God, it's amazing, Matt." Blah blah blah. <laughs> do you think? Do you think? Because obviously you you called it face to face, but you can do face to face via FaceTime now. But do you or do you still think you need to be physically in the room to get the ultimate connection? Um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely. And again, there's you know I think science evidence showing if you can see uh, someone's face, even if on a, a a kind of video conferencing thing, that is definitely better than just um, you know texts uh, or, or pictures and things. Um, so it helps. But I still don't think it's quite the same. It's quite the same thing. Um, and even I mean, I haven't yet done it. But at the moment, with this coronavirus things, you know, people are doing stuff like having a uh, virtual drinks, you know, so drinks on a Friday at 5 p.m. or whatever. 
but you do it via, yeah. you know, you're sitting at home or wherever having a drink. And it is, yeah. you know, that's kind of quite fun and quite a laugh and things like that, I think, do help sort of just lift the spirits and morale. Yeah. But I just don't think ever would quite replicate if you were told you had to do that for the rest of your life. I don't, it's just not yeah. quite the same thing, really. Um, yeah, I think I think um, I went to an event which is really on the edge of uh, magic and science by um, Louisa Powell. Um, because they've got the they, doctors can scan the electromagnetic field yeah. from your heart, um, which does which they they observe outside of the body, which some people believe could be well, when people talk about yeah, aura yeah. And how how when you're around someone it can make you different. So who knows where how far that science is going to go and how much of that is still magic? But well, there's lots um, of yeah, there's different I, senses. I, I mean, obviously you've got sight with sort of words and and then you know if you can see someone or audio and, and and vision but you don't but sort of touch for example is still not something that's very common digitally or smell or taste you know so there's lots of your senses which are not still not actually as engaged as in the real world yeah i keep thinking do you remember watching uh, demolition man uh is that the sylvester stallone thing i think yeah yeah i keep th- I keep thinking about that film when they basically it's the romantic bit where they're supposed to get together and hook up and then she's expecting virtual reality action and he's expecting <laughs> real action and she and she looks at him horrified because they've just become in that society they've just become so yeah. scared of germs that they, they put a couple of headsets on but I, d- I don't think we'll get into that <laughs> today, actually. no <laughs> um, actually so one thing I want to talk to you about and um, last time uh, we went for breakfast in the real world um you said something because we're both um, on our sort of second entrepreneurial journey outside of investments and stuff. And you said something that really um, hit home with me about how the second time you do it, you just not as naive as the first time round. Um, do you remember? Do you remember? Yes. That yeah, I do. <laughs> Could you sort of um, just share some of those feelings with us? Because I think I, I think they're really. Um, I think that some people are going to really find that, that your insight useful on that. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's an insight necessarily, but just a, a sort of emotional journey or experience that's something that uh, I felt and maybe you have too. But the, um, I think the first time you do a business and it's not necessarily, I mean, in my case, that was in my late 20s. Um, but even if it was later on, 30s, 40s, whatever, you, you know, you presume you've got an idea, you're passionate about an opportunity and you're just sort of going for it. And uh, that the naivety of not knowing what it's going to um, involve is is sort of an advantage in hindsight, because there's just so much to do. I mean, you don't, you know, raising the money and then you're learning about SEIS and EIS and all this sort of tax stuff and shareholders agreements and God knows what else. And um, and then (laughs) there's employing people and then in the sales and the budgeting and, and, and office moves and VAT and credit control. And, you know, oh, my God. Um, and uh, you, you kind of just don't I, I don't remember thinking about that first time round Agreed. second time round you think I mean, obviously same sort of passion and everything but you think oh god this is going to be hard um, you kind of um, yeah. you know what's coming a bit which is almost a disadvantage arguably because you, um, you you know you maybe know a bit too much or you're held back a bit but you're not you've not got the same crazy sort of naivety um, you know, I mean, I with e-consultancy opened offices in uh, New York, Singapore, Sydney, Dubai. And I sort of knew at the time, I thought this is this might be, you know, a bit difficult, but I'll be fine. I'll be fine. 
you know, and then filling in all the forms and the different in tax, um, you know, and, and different currencies <laughs> and different time zones. I mean, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. So now I think, oh, yeah, you know, scaling internationally. And I think maybe uh, it's sort of, sort of done that in a smallish way before, but um, maybe I'll hire someone to do that this time if, you know, gets to that. So, um, so yes, yeah. I think you do have a, a sort of greater sense of, you know, just how much it's going to take to kind of to, to make it work um but. yeah no so i do i just uh, yeah i just love hearing other people are going through the same emotions um actually i dug out um i i dug out a video of me and you about six years maybe six years ago i'll try and send it we were definitely i think we looked both about a stone and a half heavier in it um so i'll try and find a photo of it but um one um I asked you in that video six years ago what you think the future looks like, um, and you said technology will become our digital PA. Um, and I think this was this was well before the Amazon Alexas and stuff like that. Um, so I was like, "Blooming hell!" Actually, he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> um, um, so I I know you you've you've become famous for for your, for your sort of January um, technology predictions, um, and we're obviously in a massive time of change. And I, I want to think positively, actually, about um, coronavirus, which I know is a sensitive subject because people are dying and it is horrific. But do you think there's going to be changes to work um, over the next three to six months and the way people change that's actually going to be positive? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, um, it is enforcing. <clears throat> I mean, you know, with Econciles, we've been talking about digital transformation for as long as I can remember, really. Um, that's been a trend for about 10 years. Um, and um, it's this has suddenly enforced a lot of change, um, as you were saying, like the board person who's finally done the Zoom meeting or whatever, or, you know, in, in Guild's case, find someone's using messaging for professional staff or what, you know, it's it's sort of it's enforced yeah. a radical um, shift, which is because people on the whole don't mostly don't like change. I mean, entrepreneurs probably do, but a lot of people, it, it, you know, change is quite hard. Um, and so this is, you know, it's like a big dose of the, the medicine all at once, which is even harder, but it, it kind of, it makes yeah. it happen or some of it happen. And so obviously we were already, um, moving towards slightly, you know, gig economy, people working later in life, more flexible working because of, you know, sort of parents and things, different time uh, zones, shifts, uh, remote working. Those are all things which are sort of happening a little bit, um, agile teams and stuff um and now that's suddenly you know become a tidal where that's happened very quickly um to some degree and so yeah. people obviously remote working being the most obvious thing but um i think yeah i mean it will you know that it'll be interesting to see whether for example the um for a lot of the corporates where people are now not flying places for business meetings they i'm wondering whether they're going to think as we come out of this what do we actually need to now make that flight? Not least because it will save us money if we don't make the flight. And we, we seem to get away with it. Okay. Yeah. You know, during the Corona thing. Um, so I think we, yeah. um, you know, despite what I said about still needing a human to human contact, but I think that, you know, there may be some realization that's, and to be honest, it might be a good thing for the planet. You know I mean? There's an interesting, the positive spin on this coronavirus is that the, uh, it's it's the best thing for climate change for a long time um and um you know interesting yeah. bits of evidence of of nature already recovering in some areas and things someone said to me the other day that uh 
coronavirus is actually the vaccine and it's humans that are the virus, which is an <laughs> in different terms of the planet. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I think, um, yeah, so, is. you know, there may yeah. be some changes, I think, in, uh, you know, uh, travel for business, for example. Um, I think flexible ways of working to suit, say, whether it's parents or whatever. Um, we that that will become a little bit more ingrained or we'll just be more used to that and even you know it's interesting um people now it's become a thing say not just the sort of virtual drinks but the it makes you go oh i can see your living room or your your study your bedroom or something and you're sitting there uh, and you're still yeah. in your dressing gown and the kids are bashing around in the background yeah um that's okay you know i mean that's fine and and that 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 is yeah. a level of intimacy or a lack of formality, which again was part of a broader trend that you know was dressed down Friday in the city was, was but and is now you know yeah. so so business has become a lot more informal and blended a little bit more with the personal, and I think that this has oh, pushed faster as well. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I've seen a I've seen a I've seen a city guy in North London. He, I could. I basically. I walk the same way as him every day, and it. He started working from home in his suit, and every day he's lost <laughs> a bit of it. And then I. I saw him. I saw him today, and he was wearing a leather jacket <laughs> and shorts. And I was like, this this guy has fast forwarded his entire yeah. week into his couple into of days of just be pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> On that though, actually, do you think the um, it's something that's sort of frustrated me for a long time? Which do you think? Do you think we need to redefine what the word professionalism means? Because I think sometimes people think like wearing a suit is is being professional. Whereas it's like I had a call yesterday with my head of robots. Yeah. He was in bed. He was just lying in his bed doing his thing. And at the end of the day, we released a. a he, he spent three weeks so we could release a free version of our product today. <coughs> um, as far as I'm concerned, he's an ultimate professional, and I don't really care that he's sitting in his bed doing it. Um, do you think we need to redefine professionalism? Well, that's an interesting one. I mean, I, well, what you were talking about, and again, I think there's a, well, there's the semantic, actual kind of what words we use, but there's also what you were referring to there, I think, was um, gauging uh, what good looks like or what success is by outcomes rather than inputs, for example. So, and again, I think that's a cultural shift that's in work uh today sometimes you have this presenteeism thing where you need to be seen to be at your desk type thing and you leave your jacket on your chair to make it look like yeah. you're working hard kind of thing and again i think that that we are seeing a yeah. shift towards going you know looking at outcomes so, so i don't care when or how you do it what's valuable is what you achieve or what you create or what value is created and in fact there are some yeah. people you know it's particularly in, um, i've worked with a lot with developers now programmers and they have this idea of a text developer which is you know a, de a really excellent developer is 10 times as good as, as a sort of mediocre or medium one because they can write just genius elegant lines yeah. of code which do amazing things and frankly you know if, so, if it takes someone a minute a day to do that they're still worth paying a full-time salary um and you know that yeah, there is totally. that's, that's sort of bled a bit into marketing, where I hear sometimes now the ten x marketer, uh, where you know a really good marketer, and particularly digital, because of all its you know scalability and stuff, you can have a ten times impact potentially in a way that was very hard to do in in sort of traditional channels and media and marketing of old. Um, so, How, on, yeah. the, on that on that Ashley, just to pick into that. 
That, I mean, that's what that's a real problem that professional services like accountancy firms, um, uh, legal firms, marketing agencies have because they they obviously a lot of them are ingrained in the day rate. Um, and when I'm a, when I'm a customer of these people, I'm thinking, well, that that's that's driving inefficiency because I'd rather pay I'd rather pay an accountant ten thousand pounds to sort my problem out in mm. in one hour. Um, than I would £8,000 for them to sort it out in, say, yeah. three weeks. Um, so, so it almost drives inefficiency to have a day rate. But if you've been running a company for so many years that's, that's, that's ingrained into a day rate, how can you? have you got any advice on how you could get away from that type of model? <laughs> I know I haven't pre-warned you on that question, so that's quite a big one. Well, I mean, it's true. <laughs> to go away from hours to impact how how could you i mean it's a big thing to yeah it's yeah. easy for me and you to say isn't it go out outcome based well now, it is i mean a lot of some of this is business model models as you say i my early days of my career was working a digital agency and that's selling time essentially and and a time and it's not very scalable because yeah. it's based on people and hours on the day and then you know with e-consultancy i deliberately wanted yeah. to move away to that and that was based on content really so uh, intellectual property in the form of content which could be packaged as training or events or whatever is much more scalable but now obviously the guild is a technology business similarly for you you went from an agency model to into a technology model it's very you know it's much much more scalable yeah. it, it, it takes more capital up front but it is is enormously scalable so i think the but in you know services model where you're selling time or hours you can kind of use to a, a sort of value-based pricing approach. So there are a few. In fact, when we sold e-consultancy, the lawyers we talked to, we basically agreed a, a fee, which was a sort of value-based fee based on the outcome. And that was a sort of fixed fee, yeah. uh, you know, irrespective of how long it might take. You know, so I think, um, I think there are examples of that, uh, sort of saying, look, what's the value to you? And, and, and then the variables, like you say, like time. Yeah. Can you get it done quicker? That makes it more valuable to me. Um, or, you know, um, yeah. you know, I worked with some lawyers recently or chose some lawyers based on the, on, the, on the fact that the partner themselves would work on the project and that I'd have rather have pay more per hour for a, one good person than have a team of three or four more junior people because I just thought, you know, so I think, yeah. you know, it, it is happening a bit. I mean, obviously, in professional services and you know, speaking of lawyers, it would be interesting to see that's where AI could have an interesting impact. Um, you know, and a lot of the lawyers I talk to, it's sort of um, AI can do a lot of the initial drafting of stuff. And then you have a sort of senior experienced human to kind of oversee it, uh, which is an interesting model, although it's, it's, yeah. what, it's arguably worrying for, I don't know how then you start off junior in your career then and work your way up. If, if you get, you know, you never get a yeah. chance to get in in the first place. Yeah, no, that's really useful, Ashley. Well, we've got to go towards closing because um, we're 30 minutes in already. Um, uh, one thing that I'm just starting with you, which is I realised, uh, and this is, this is completely selfish to save me time, I realise I keep recording these podcasts and then because you come from e the consultancy background and you're great at writing titles, what are we going to call this podcast? I need a, um, <laughs> I need a one sentence, actually. What, uh, oh, no. <laughs> what should I call I don't this know. I honestly can't. You need some clickbait, like 101 amazing <laughs> things that you didn't know about, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, oh, what about 101 <laughs> Ashley Friedel? Well, you could try. You know that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I need some more time. Right, yeah. I'm going to give you more time on that. I'll let you cut <laughs> I'll let you come back on that one. Um, actually, so I'm just going to go into um, summary. Can I um, 
can I ask you what your the biggest low in your career is? I can remember specific. Uh, I can remember a time where, uh, with the early days of e consultancy, where I thought, shit, we can't actually pay the staff at the end of this month. You know, it was a cash flow, cash thing, and it was it just makes your blood run cold, and and makes you realise as an entrepreneur how yeah, important it is to keep thing. an eye on the cash, which is a fairly seems like an obvious thing, but the kind of cash is king thing is that you know businesses don't go bust because they run out of cash yeah. basically. So. Did you ever? Did you ever share? No, did you ever no, share that with your I didn't. Team? Did you keep it was quite secret? a small team at the time, and also I knew I, think... I, I kind of when I thought about it, I thought, okay, there are ways around this, but it's just you have these moments. And another moment was when I was called up by someone from Google, threatening basically to sue us um, at a point where we were just about to sell the business, and and being threatened by Google is, uh, uh, you know, again another moment where you <laughs> oh. you think, oh no. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're horrible. They're so, horrible feelings, aren't they? Can you share any detail on that? What have you done to annoy Google? Uh, so much? Well, we you know we published an article about it. Was actually uh, I think DoubleClick related, but Google owned DoubleClick, um, and um, we, we yeah. this is an eco we we'd happened this happens a number of times actually, but where we'd published an article about DoubleClick and you know whoever it, it was got. Um, thought that we you know phoned us up and said it was sort of defamation or you know that we were going to be sued because we'd said bad things about um about double click but i mean i said you know as with and and this happened we were phoned up by microsoft actually the other way around to um i was asked by microsoft to appear at the hague court to um fight a battle with google which i really didn't fancy doing based on an article we'd uh, written as well so it's kind of flattering that any of these big companies cared what e-consultancy wrote but you know i mean i stood in that (laughs) said look if anything's factually incorrect of course we'll correct it but we're entitled to an opinion on whatever it was and sort of stand by it but it was an example there of relationships i also then happened to know some senior people at google you know through my contacts and and sort of spoke to them and said look this this guy's phoned me up threatening to sue me on this that, and the other and then half an hour later he phoned me back to apologize um but you know so you having friends oh, in wow. high places and you know we we're talking about relationships earlier on um building some goodwill and trust and stuff you know can come in handy yeah. <laughs> so we've got our title then google uh. live. <laughs> Okay, let's move on for that. Um, highest moment in your career? Well, I mean, the obvious, I suppose, one is I, I si- um, signed the documents to sell e-consultancy on my 40th birthday. So that was kind of like a specific moment wow. to remember. But I, um, but to be honest, yeah, it, it, I, you know, at cool. the time, I didn't feel, because it's such an exhausting process, I mean, you, it, that I strangely didn't feel, I mean, in my mind, that should be a, a kind of moment of great joy. It was... Sort of, but you know, it's like a long race and crossing the finish line. You're just knackered, basically, and glad it's over almost. And actually, I sort of think, yeah. you know, highs and lows in a, with yeah. an entrepreneur it almost happens every day, or particularly early on in a business where something good happens or something bad happens. I find, you know, your mood can swing from elation to despair <laughs> surprisingly quickly. So, uh, you know, every yeah. day has highs and lows. Yeah. Do you feel, um, I, I sometimes worry that I've chopped off the top and the bottom bit of my emotions because you, you, you kind of have to get used to be able to deal with both in the same yeah. in the same vein. Do you know what I mean? So you can't over-celebrate and you can't under-get-annoyed at stuff. It, 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 and I worry that I've brought that into my personal life sometimes. Do you ever have I a feel, I, Yeah, I know that? what you're saying. I, um, 
I and I think it's uh, maybe to be honest, it's it's might not just be business or second time on it, It's just getting a little bit older. I I think it's and and saying you're getting old. Where you <laughs> just it's, you know when you're younger, you only look forward in life. And in my case, I tend to look forward. But having children or just getting yeah. a bit older, and having older you know parents and grandparents are dead now. But you you just start to even having nostalgia, as in you look back. I look back sometimes at things and feel you know that's a that's but that's a relatively new feel, feeling and i think um so you just have a different slightly different perspective yeah. on life generally which means that you kind of know that things will go up and down and you know and that i think maybe has that effect that you're talking about a sort of sort of clipping where you kind of you know the bads it still sort of feels bad but it's probably going to get better and the good you know yeah it's great but don't get too excited because it's going to yeah. shit again soon <laughs> so, <laughs> so you you have a moderating <laughs> effect just to, i think that's yeah. the, the wisdom if that can be called that of age rather than anything one just just on this before we go into the last question anyone that's listening if they've got children do um buy them the book the truth pixie by matt haig it's the first children's book written mm. um written with mental health in mind um and it and it talks about all the ups and downs of a of, of a day of a day that we all might go through but um actually you've been an amazing guest i'm gonna um, say thank you now and i'm gonna give you the last uh, the last words which is if you could just share everyone um um that you're the biggest learning in your career and then just uh, sign off Hello, Ashley. So we got oh. cut off there. This is yes. You to... <laughs> but again, million dollar question. We have no, we have no edits. So I'm just going to ask you to sign off and give us the uh, biggest learning in your career. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks, Matt. Um, yes, the biggest learning. I mean, I guess I would agree. You hear this a lot about follow something you're passionate about, and I do agree about that. But given everyone says that, I'm going to go with something slightly different, which is to. And, and is in keeping, I guess, with sort of people and HR, but to to spot and note and stay in contact, and I'm, I'm talking professionally, with people who you really respect and I think are great at what they do. And I say that because that happened with e-consulting. My first business, Matt O'Riordan, who was my business partner there, was a developer at the agency. And I, you know, he was just so much better than anyone else I'd worked with. I thought I must stay in contact with this guy. And I ended yeah. up co-founding a business with him and, and same, I'm an investor in his business, Abley, and he's also my co-founder at Guild. And so I, I don't hear that advice often, but I just think it's occasionally you meet people and you think, just like if you meet friends or whatever, you think, God, this person's just really good at what they do, whatever it yeah. is. And I would make sure you make a note or, or get their contact details because they can come in very handy in life. So that's my, uh, that's my tip. I love it, Ashley. You've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers, Matt.